Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Los Angeles Police calling all cars. Attention all cars. Broadcast 102. All cars watch closely. The operator of Mayo Cronin. Police defending narcotics. That's all. Rose and close. Now happily coming to a close, 
we enjoyed a minimum of large-scale crime as compared to other cities in this nation. This is not meant to imply, however, that we did not have our racketeers and so-called big shots. Many were the hoodlums who tried to muscle themselves into power, but as quickly as they began operations, we began breaking them down. It wasn't always easy. One of the most difficult men we had to break was a one-time petty pickpocket who muscled into the dope racket and made himself a big shot. His name makes no difference. He has paid his debt to society, so for the purpose of our story, we will call him Mayo Cronin. It was in 1927. One day, Chief David summoned Detective Lieutenant Speaker into his office.
So he offered you a bribe, huh? That's just fine. What do you mean? He's worried. You must be getting pretty close to him. Sure, we're getting close to him, Captain. I'll tell you that bitch of Mrs. Hard I've been killing or he's cheap news. I'm sure of it. Well, it's worth a try. Have you booked that Mexican peddler you just brought in, Pitwood? No, he's still outside. Okay, bring him in. Right. Come in, Pedro. Pedro, we've got plenty on you to send you to the big house for a nice long stay. Oh, please, General Capitani, not to have to Pedro. Pedro, one good citizen and taxpayer. Pedro, not a bad man. Here's the two ounces of narcotics we found on you. You can't deny that. Oh, no, but you see, this is the very first time I do anything like this. You let me go, huh? I never do it again. I think maybe we can arrange something like that. And gracias, Senor Capitan, gracias. On one condition. That you do a little favor for us. Oh, gee, Senor, of course, anything I can do. You uh, know a man and his wife of the name of Howard? Mr. and Mrs. Sandy Howard? Sandy Howard? Oh, gee, I know him. I want you to buy three ounces of morphine from them. You want me to... Oh, it is a trap, huh? So you can arrest me all over again. I don't understand that. I'm arrested already. No, I don't want to arrest you all over again, Pedro. I'm after bigger fish than you. I want to arrest Sandy Howard and his wife. And for buying three ounces from them, you will let me go free? I think we can arrange it. If you promise not to peddle any more junk. No, you see, I promise. On your word, Ole Gonzalez. Well, we'll give you a chance. Now, here's what you do. You call Sandy Howard and make a date with him to make the buy. You'll have two officers hidden in the rumble seat of your car. After you've given Howard and his wife the marked money... Where do I get the marked money? Don't worry, we'll provide that. And after they've given you the morphine, you clap your hands together and say, Now I can make myself a little dinero. I clap my hands together like this and say... Now I can make myself a little dinero. That's right. And that'll be the signal for the two men in the rumble seat to make the arrest. Oh, it's very simple. I'm glad for the duty. Pedro makes a date to meet the Howards at Baudry and First Street. Around the corner, Captain Sigurd spots six police cars with plain frozen at the wheel. Pedro, with two officers hidden in the rumble seat of his car, drives up to the corner. A moment later, Mr. and Mrs. Howard arrive in their car. Howard saunters over to Pedro, and to Pedro, watching from the opposite corner, there appears to be an argument. Something's going on, Captain. Pedro's getting out of his car. Yeah, do you suppose that Mexican's double-crossing us? I don't know, but he's getting in the hard car. And swinging around. Oh, be gone. What? Oh, and the whole thing. Of Mrs. Hogg giving us a bird. She's thumbing her nose at us. Follow them. Don't let them get out of sight. Okay, Captain. Now, wait a minute. There's no use following them. Why not? They're wise. If we tail them, they'll just give us a runaround. Might as well go back to the corner and hope the paper is on the level and bring them back there somehow. That's the funniest thing I ever heard. I did not know this bullet was on my tail, Senor Howard. Yeah. 
Well, you won't get very far in this game if you don't wise up to things like that. Sure, we never take a chance. They wouldn't have got a thing on us if they had stopped us. Why? What do you mean? They didn't bring you more things? Not with us. You think we're nuts? Why do you take me then? Come on, Far. Down this next block here. All right. Let's have the dough, Pedro. Here. But where's the more thing? It's stashed in that head. Hand us over the dough and go pick it up for yourself. Well, okay. But it's a very fine business. It's a very safe business if you do it this way. Right there in front of you. Oh, yeah. Okay, Pedro. We got the money, you got the junk. Call us up when you need some more. What's the matter? You're not going to leave me away here on Sunset Boulevard, are you? Sure, why not? But my car is all the way over on Bordrich. I cannot walk so far. It's too far. Uh, we might as well take him back, Sandy. Okay, hop in, Pedro. <laughs> Now, after a month in jail, you ought to realize that even if he is a big shot, 
Cronin can't raise 200 grand to spring you and your husband. Either he can't or he doesn't think you're worth it. Oh, is that so? Well, how do you know that I'm a temporary? Now, Mrs. Howard, don't let me forget that I think you're a lady. What do you want? Certainly not you and your husband. We want nails, Cronin, and you're going to help us get them. You're barking up the wrong tree. All right, I know that story, and I'm tired of it. I said you're going to help us get him. Okay. For a price. Which is? Sandy's freedom. All right, Mrs. Howard. You'll go further than that. We'll do our best to get the district attorney to drop charges against not only your husband, but yourself. If you'll play ball with us until we get Cronin. It's a deal. With one more stipulation. What's that? That neither you nor your husband go back to the narcotic wagon. Okay. That's a deal, too. And if you do, he'll fix you up with a nice long-term lease on a Marine View apartment at San Quentin. So Captain Seeger and the district attorney arranged to reduce the bail on Mrs. Howard so that Conan's attorney can meet the figure. Immediately upon her release, Mrs. Howard is taken to the detective's office. Well, Captain, here I am. Practically a free woman again. That's fine, Mrs. Howard. Now what do I have to do to spring Sandy? Well, let's see. We've got to make this sound legitimate. I'll tell you. You call Cronin and tell him you want to buy 100 ounces of morphine so you can raise the dough for Sandy's release. Okay. Hand me the phone. You know, Cap, I never thought much of cops before I met you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Why, now I almost got myself believing you're human beings. I... Hello, Nails. Yeah, this is Birdie. I... Yeah, I just got out. And say, Nails, thanks a million for stringing me. Gosh, I don't know what to say. I... Yeah, that told you ain't no boudoir. But say, how about Sandy? Oh, I know you ain't got a hundred grand, but I ain't got a husband neither. I... Listen, here's the dope. I can unload a lot of stuff. My customers' tongues are hanging out. Yeah. Say about a hundred ounces. What? Four grand? Well, ain't that a little steep? I... Okay, I gotta get that guy of mine out of jail no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Nails. In an hour. Well? He fell for it. I'm to go to the top of Angel's Flight in an hour from now, get a cab there, and go to the corner of Forth and Alvarado. There'll be a car there waiting for me. It'll take me to him, only I... Only what? Oh, he wants me to bring the cash with me. Four thousand bucks. Four thousand dollars? You haven't got that much money available for purchases. Well, that's the deal. Cash on the line. Well, all right. I got a friend who can raise it. I'll sign my personal note for it. Your personal note? Sure. You don't know how anxious I am to get that bird. <laughs> Misgiving, Captain Seeger follows Mrs. Howard and takes $4,000 in marked money from Angel's Flight to the corner of Fourth and Alvarado. Where Mrs. Howard transfers from the cab to a yellow coupe driven by a Negro chauffeur, which takes her to the corner of Highland Avenue and Sunset Boulevard, where she again changes cars. To enter the armored limousine of Mayor Cronin, which immediately starts up Highland for Mulholland Drive. Here, for fear of being detected by the wily Cronin, Seeger is forced to abandon the case and return to his office. There, for the next several hours, he nailed bitingly awaits a telephone call from Mrs. Howard. Finally, it comes. 
Susan. This is Bertie Howard, Captain. Where are you? Down on the beach at the Tango Canyon. What happened? He had the stuff stashed down here in the canyon. I turned over the dope and picked up the merchandise. Are you alone? Yeah, he left me. He's gone to his house on South. Yeah, I know where it is. Well, he's either there or at his service station on Beverly. Okay, buddy. We'll get on him right away. Want a car to pick you up? No, thanks. I've still got bus there. While Figger leads one detachment of men to Cronin's house, Another detailer detective sees the Cronin's gasoline station to watch out for him. At the house, Sigler runs into an unforeseen difficulty. Hey, Joe, you and a couple of the boys see it around at the back of the house. Those dogs are better than a siren. Don't let anyone make a getaway. Right. We can't go into the street. Those hounds will chance to pieces. A couple of slugs over there, Hey, wait a minute. Somebody's opening the door. Fire down these dogs and let us in. You heard me quiet down these dogs. Now listen, girlie, I like dogs, but I hate to have to shoot such nice animals as these. But if you don't quiet them down, they'll let them have it. Officers of the law. Oh, yeah, the dogs are different. Why are you? 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 Nails? What are you talking about? We ain't got no nails. You know what I mean. Nails. Nails clothing. You ain't at home. Well, we're coming in. I don't know where to all let you do that. No, well, you think about it while we look to join over. Come on, boys. Knowing that he must present his case in court, Captain Seeger, failing to find any evidence beyond a 45 caliber gun with the serial numbers filed off, has his men make careful steel drawings of the interior of the house. When this work is completed, a strange discovery is made. Hey, Cap, look here. What? I've been making the measurements in the living room, and Bob's been making them in the dining room. But they don't drive with the outside measurements of the house. What are you talking about? Well, look, Cap, there's a three-foot difference between the living room and the dining room. Well, I'll be done. Don't seem to be any other place to make up the difference. Might be a hidden closet. Yeah, but the house is good. I don't see how it could be. Look, between the two rooms is a bookcase. Oh, let's see. This is a stucco wall. We'll see how solid it is. Now, this is as hollow as your head, Bob. See if you can find an opening, some sort of secret panel slides or something. Yeah, like you Phillips open hand stories, huh? Yeah, sure. Real detective stuff. And hey, you better bring in that axe from the car. Yeah. Perhaps this is all solid paneling and bookcases. No secret thing, huh? No. There's a lot of funny books, though. They do somewhere on by the I come out traveling. Ever hear of that book yet? Yeah, sure. We better pass that one by. Yeah, and here's John Blanding's poetry. Hey, I know that one, Cap. <laughs> well, that guy can really write poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, he's almost as good as Eddie Jeff. You know that one of his about the vagabond house? Boy, that's beautiful. Yeah. Just like a mail order catalog. Huh? Yeah, I don't get you. Uh, here's the rest, Cap. Oh, fine. Now, it's making it up bookie. Somewhere around John Blanding, will you? Uh, sure. Uh, Mm-hmm. Hey, don't do that. Give him a hand. Just the mere panel. That's fine. Throw it away. Give him a hand, Bob. Oh, here. The same, though. Hey, Ron, 
around that book of poetry. Well, let's forget literature for a minute. Hey, look, for the love of Mike, look at those five gallons of alcohol. Sight for sore eyes. Now, at last, we've got something on Mr. Mayo's program. Must be 50 pounds in there. And look at the package you're not cutting. I don't care about that. Didn't you find my four grand? Oh, that's a great box. And I made you laugh. <laughs> Boy, Mills, we've got time. Open it up, quick. Mm-hmm. Throw a lot of dough in there. Let's see it. Boy, what a relief. What do you mean, Cap? Here's my four grand all marked and tucked away. This is all we need on Mr. Cronin, boys. The case is closed. What we want now is Mr. Cronin himself. Let's go. Let's go. To his service station. <laughs> Leaving Cronin's house under guard of two detectives and placing the Negro maid under arrest, Siegel and his men drive to Cronin's service station. Approaching the brilliantly lit corner, they drive up behind the police car, which has been detailed to search the place. Captain Siegel talks to his men. How about it, Shipwood? He's in there. He's been in there for an hour and a half. He's got a eye on him all the time. Good. Come on. How'd you make out at the house? Well, he's got plenty on this bird now. Hey, there he is. Put him behind the desk in there. Come on. Well, 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 if it ain't the law. Well, I'm your left, Cronin. You guys could waste my time and yours. You know you can't get anything on me. We got plenty on you now, Conan. Well, what's the charge? Violation state poison act. <laughs> Why don't you get a new job? We mean business, Conan. We're taking you in. Well, keep your bracelets in your pocket. I'll go along. I'll be out a half hour after I get to Central. Have a few, Chief. Call them out so you send them to the Central. Yeah, okay. A lot of good that'll do, Conan. That's what you think. <laughs> Captain Sugar escorts the Oregon Cronin into the squad room at Central and presents him with the facts. Now, Cronin, listen carefully. I demand the mouthpiece. Don't say a word. You don't have to. And we ain't letting you talk to your mouthpiece, are we, boys? Hey, this is unconstitutional. Well, I'll find when to talk about constitutionality. You can't make me talk. Now, listen, Cronin, will you be quiet for a minute? So far, you've done all the talking. Now, listen. Get this. No one's asking you to talk. We're just asking you to listen. I see. Better get a bedtime story, eh? Time don't pay. The policeman's your friend and all that bunker. Eh? You'd be a lot better off if you'd listened to him before. I'll pipe down and get this. You're through. We got enough on you to send you up for a neat little set. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I haven't got any tricks up my sleeve. Now, here's the lowdown. You sold a hundred ounces of morphine to Mrs. Howard today. He paid you with my money. Money I marked myself. We just raided your house and recovered that money. And you know what we found when we found the money. Fifty-five gallon cans with alcohol and $10,000 worth of narcotics. Well, how about it, Nail? Does your mouthpiece will do you any good now? That you can talk a jury out of that evidence? Captain. Yeah? Can you... Can I talk to you privately? Sure. Come on into my office. You'll uh, pardon us, won't you, boys? Sit <laughs> yeah, down, man. Sit down. Yeah. Thanks. Right. 